May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. And I especially want to welcome our North Campus today joining us by live video feed. Um, You know, you might not know this about me, but there was actually a time in my life where I knew everything. It's true. My moment of omniscience came sometime during the second semester of my uh, sophomore year in college. Honestly, I just arrived at the point in life where I realized I knew more than anyone else about life and about how to handle conflict and how to overcome obstacles and how to act and how to respond. Honestly, I just knew everything. I mean, it's just, I just got to that point in my life. Um, and I, I mean, I realized that there were some academic things that I didn't know. There were some academic gaps. But look, I mean, I was in school. I mean, I'm filling those up pretty quickly. But when it came to like all the important stuff, yeah, I knew it all. And I must say that my vast knowledge made me a very pleasant person to be around. <laughs> it really did. People loved it when I corrected them in their life. When they would come and give me and, and ask me for advice, I would, I would happily tell them all the ways that they had done wrong and how they should, you know, what, uh, give them guidance about their career and, you know, how to, and relationships and how to overcome adversity, all that kind of thing. I would give them all kinds of advice. And sometimes the truth is my advice was so deep and it was so rich that people would often have to go and think about it and ponder it for a while. And the reason I know this to be true is because sometimes halfway through my conversation with people, they would just get up and walk away. (laughs) And I'm certain it was because they just needed to go think about their life in light of all the advice that I had given. (laughs) Now, isn't it true that the farther away we get from 22, we realize how much we really don't know? Man, that's true for all of us. I mean, I think all of us go through a point in time in life and self-realization that we don't really know everything. But the problem with knowing everything is not actually knowledge. The problem is actually arrogance. And I'll tell you, for me, I was as arrogant as they come. I mean, because that was my problem. And by the way, arrogance is not just a problem when we're young. Arrogance is a problem that can last throughout, because all of us know people at every stage in life that are arrogant, don't we? We do. But the real problem is, is that we don't ever think that we're the ones that are arrogant. Arrogance is incredibly difficult to self-diagnose. Because we never think we're the ones arrogant. In fact, I remember in college, there was a guy that lived across the hall from me. One time, he told me that he thought I was arrogant. I just thought he was stupid. (laughs) Because arrogance is incredibly hard to self-diagnose. We don't ever think that we're the problem. We just think there is no problem. And being arrogant is destructive to relationships because, you know, we can come across as smug and elitist. And that kind of posture and that kind of attitude, it just, it puts people off and it drives people away. But when it comes to spiritual arrogance, now that isn't a class of hurt all on its own. Because you see, when we become spiritually arrogant, when we believe that we know what is right, 
And if anyone ever comes and just and crosses us, I'm telling you, we come at them with both theological guns blazing. And that could cause a lot of damage and a lot of... Now look, I'm all for knowing what you believe and why you believe it. But anytime our responses to other people are filled with condemnation or they're judgmental or visceral or angry, I'm telling you, then we have crossed the line into becoming spiritually arrogant. And that, it's at that point that people who are thinking about become, becoming Christ followers want nothing to do with Christ followers, and they walk away. And I'm telling you, I've seen these types of responses from people on the conservative side of issues as well as on the liberal side of issues. So it's not just one-sided. And here's the thing. Everybody listening to me right now still thinks I'm talking about someone else. But I'm not. God is talking to each one of us because I promise you, there is that thing inside each one of us that is so prone to arrogance that we think that we're right. And it's not really an issue of who's right and who's wrong. It really is an issue of how we come across. Because when we come across as a know-it-all, then we become a person that God cannot use to reach out to other people who are far from him. When we become a know-it-all, we become in God's hands, honestly, a lost cause because we are so unwilling to change that he cannot use us to accomplish his will and his purposes in life. Which is why I'm so thankful that we have a guy like Paul that we're going to look at this morning. See, here's a guy who was a real know-it-all. I mean, he was a lost cause as far as trying to convince him of anything else. But Paul's life is going to teach us how the Lord can take that know-it-all portion inside of us, and if we will allow him, he can change it and change our entire lives into a life that he can use for his purposes and his glory. Now, if you don't know much about the life of Paul, he actually started out with the name Saul until God changed his name to Paul shortly after his conversion. Now, this was a guy, he probably knew more about the Old Testament and about um, Hebrew tradition than anybody else. In fact, he was on the fast track to becoming the high priest of all of Israel at some point in time in his life. That was Paul. And here's how far Paul's spiritual arrogance had gone. When it came to people that believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he had such disdain for them, such disgust for them, such hatred for them, that he actually gained permission to kill them. And that's what he did. And he, it was all because he believed he was right. He was a know-it-all. I'm telling you, Saul, who later became Paul, he was one arrogant guy. Until God got a hold of him. And then when God got hold of him, God turned this man who was a know-it-all into someone that he could really use with incredible effectiveness. In fact, Paul was a man who eventually started 
churches all throughout the Mediterranean, Mediterranean world that led thousands of people to Christ. And Paul himself wrote more of the New Testament than any other single individual. Amazing. So how did this transformation take place? Pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's start by asking, what does it take to make a transformation from being a know-it-all lost cause to someone that God can use? Well, here's what it takes. It takes one key thing, and that is this for me and you, is that I must pursue humility now. I must pursue humility now. Look, I want you to see the progression of humility in Paul's life. I want you to look at how Paul himself grows more and more humble because what I want you to do is I want you to look at the dates at which he writes these books of the Bible and what he says in each of these books. Let's start um, with this. In fall of 56 AD, that's your next fill-in, in fall of 56 AD, that's when Paul writes 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 22, here's what Paul says. He says, they brag that they're Hebrews, do they? Well, so am I. And they say that they're Israelites, God's chosen people. So am I. And they're descendants of Abraham. Well, I am too. They say they serve Christ, but I have served him far more. Have I gone mad to boast like this? Well, maybe a little bit, Paul. I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again and again and again. Now, honestly, it feels like Paul's pretty full of himself, doesn't it? Now, look what Paul writes sometime between 59 and 61 AD. Now, not all books of the Bible, we know exactly the exact date they were written. Some of them, we just have a range. And so, we know that the range in which Paul writes Philippians is somewhere between 59 and 61. So, several years later, look what he says. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. You see the progression of humility? And then sometime between 62 and 66 AD is when Paul writes 1 Timothy. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So as Paul got older, he went from saying that he had served Christ far more than anyone else to realizing that those things that he had been pursuing were not as valuable as he thought to finally saying, I am the worst of sinners. To which you and I would say, Worst of sinners? Are you kidding me, Paul? You're the greatest of Christians. I mean, you're Paul the Apostle. You're about to write more of the New Testament than anyone else. You're not the worst of sinners. But as you see, as Paul got older, he pursued humility more and more. Now look, here's the thing. Just because you get older does not mean that you automatically become more humble. That is not true. I think we all know people that as they've gotten older, they just get crustier, okay? <laughs> they don't necessarily get more humble. So what did Paul do and what, did, what can I do to pursue humility? 
Well, from the life of Paul, we learn two things. Here's the first. First thing Paul's, Paul's life teaches us is that, number one, I need to grow closer to God. I must grow closer to God. As Paul grew closer to Christ, he realized he didn't measure up. Look, it would be like me putting a mark on the back wall or on a wall that's seven, seven feet off the ground. And then if I backed up 100 feet from that mark, looking at it, I might think, yeah, you know what? I'm probably about that tall. But then as I get closer, the closer I get to the mark, I realize how much I really don't measure up. You see, that's what it's like with Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the more you and I realize that we don't measure up. We don't measure up to his perfection. We don't measure up to his standard. We don't really measure up to even the things that he wants us to do with our lives. And that makes us humble. It makes us humble. I want you to see how Paul grew closer to Christ over time. And as he grows closer to Christ, he grows more humble. Now, when Paul first became a Christ follower, here's what happens in Acts 9. In Acts 9, here's what it says. Beginning of verse 19, it says, Saul, and remember, this is Paul. God just hadn't changed his name yet, okay? Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, yet Saul grew more and more powerful. I want you to underline that. Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So look, when, when, when Paul or Saul first became a Christ follower, what did he do? He spent time with the disciples, learning from them. And once anyone becomes a Christ follower, as soon as you become a Christ follower, you need to do everything you can to get around people that know more than you because that's how you learn. So you need to make a firm commitment to be at church as often as you can so you can learn and grow. Make sure you're at small group so you can learn and grow from other people that are farther down the road than you are. That is a key principle, especially when you're starting out. And that helps you grow closer to Christ, which in turn makes you more humble. Now, look at the pro progression. 11 chapters later, look what Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 22. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me. Underline that. The Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And here's the humility part. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now Paul has grown to the point where he is clearly hearing God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, do you clearly hear the Holy Spirit? In your life, do you clearly hear God's Spirit guiding you? I'm telling you, the Lord will speak to you and he will guide you in your life. You just have to be committed to a relationship with him. It's like, it's like if you get a phone call from your best friend. When you get a phone call from your best friend, as soon as you pick up the phone and they say hello, you know, you know immediately who that is. Because you have spent so much time with them, you just recognize their voice, even at one word. You don't even have to look at the caller ID, you know who it is. See, it's the same thing in a relationship with God. When you spend time with him, 
by praying and reading the Bible, you will begin to recognize his voice because you spent so much time with him. Look, here's the deal. God is speaking to you. And he does speak to you. And if you don't hear him, it's because you don't recognize his voice. And if you don't recognize his voice, and you want to, then you need to spend more time with him, praying and reading your Bible. Because when you do, just like any relationship, you will recognize his voice when he speaks to you. That was Paul's progression. Now look what happens as Paul gets to the end of his life. In Acts 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. I want you to circle. The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. The Lord stood near. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that? Look, this is not figurative language. Okay? This is exactly what happened. Paul, near the end of his life, he is about to be put in chains and sent to Rome where he is going to be in prison and he is going to die. Now, I don't know about you. I would love to get to the point in my life where the Lord stands near. I mean, can you imagine what that's like? With the living God standing near. That would be the most incredible, joy-filled, fulfilling, rewarding, meaningful, indescribable experience. Because the Lord stood near. Amazing. And that didn't happen because Paul had grown older. Because actually Paul was not old. The Lord was able to stand near because Paul grew more humble. That's what happened by the end of his life. See, spending time with God will make you more and more humble. And when you're more humble, you'll become closer and closer to God. There's a second key lesson we can learn from Paul. That's number two. That I need to reach out to people far from God. I need to reach out to people far from God. See, during these years, Paul's traveling all over the Mediterranean world telling people about Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, the more you reach out to people that are far from Christ, the more humble you become. Why? Well, it's because you see firsthand how empty the things are that the world has to offer. You see up close and personal that like money and good looks and possessions and power and prestige and new cars and you know, bigger homes and lavish vacations and alcohol and sensuality all promise happiness and fulfillment, but none of them deliver. Because if they did, then the happiest people in the world would be those that are living in Hollywood. But they're not. And you begin to realize that a person's first and best and only source of happiness 
comes from having a relationship with Christ. Because when you and I reach out to a hurting world, we realize just how much they're hurting. And we realize that our greatest need is God, then that makes us humble before him, right? So let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed with someone to become a Christ follower? When was the last time you prayed with someone to become a Christ follower? You see, I find that most Christ followers want to be able to help other people become Christ followers. They just don't know how. And so Paul shows us how with just two verses in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Look what these verses say. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Now, this doesn't mean that you just say the words, Jesus is Lord, and that you're automatically saved, like they're like some kind of a magic words or something like that. That is not what he's saying. In fact, Paul intentionally uses that fourth word, confess. He says that you have to confess that. What that word confess means is it means that it's something that you believe wholeheartedly that you wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is Lord over everything, including your own life. Now, the second part is that you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, look, that is way more than just believing the Easter story. Way more than that. What he's saying here is that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for your sins, and he paid the price for my sins. And once you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins, the proof that he actually did is the fact that he rose again three days later because the rising again proves that he actually did provide forgiveness of sin and that he alone is victorious over sin and death. And so to become a Christ follower, you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life And you have to ask him to forgive you of your sin, and you know he's capable of forgiving because he rose again on the third day. Because look, good works, good deeds do not get you to heaven. Only your faith in Christ does. Good deeds don't get you there because look, sins aren't canceled out by doing good deeds, sins are forgiven. And the only person that can forgive them is Jesus Christ because he alone is the one that rose from the dead and paid the price for forgiveness when he died on the cross. So if you've never become a Christ follower, I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. There's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower at the very bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before, maybe you've been trusting in your good deeds to get you to heaven all your life. If you've never prayed that prayer, asking Jesus to forgive you and putting him in charge of your life, I'm going to give you a chance to do that at the end of our service today. And I want you to do it today. If you're already a Christ follower, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to make a commitment to reach out to people who are far from Christ? Would you make a commitment to invite people that are far from Christ, invite them to come to church, 
Invite them to come to your small group. Or better yet, tell them your story about how Jesus Christ has changed your life. And maybe you want to cut out the prayer that's in your bulletin uh, to become a Christ follower and put that in your wallet or put that in your purse so that if you ever get into a conversation with someone about how to become a Christ follower, you can pull that prayer out and you can say, let's pray through this prayer together. And you can help them make that change in their life. Now let me wrap it up today by this, saying this. The transformation of Paul <laughs> was incredible. Unbelievable. He started out as a know-it-all. Remember, he was killing Christians because he thought he knew what God wanted. I mean, he was a know-it-all. But God was able to take this person who was a know-it-all, and he totally changed him. He changed him from a know-it-all into someone who was humble. And he did it by helping Paul grow closer and closer to him over time. So much so that by the end of his life, God stood near. Incredible. And God would do the same for you if you would do the same as Paul. Because with God, there are no lost causes. So I want everyone right now, find your connection card. And let's take some next steps together. Maybe it's this first next step. Because it's hard for me to detect my own arrogance, I will pursue humility. Because remember, humility is not automatic. You have to actively pursue it. Would you make a commitment to do that? Next. I, commitment to, I commit to be at church to learn more about Christ and how to follow him. Would you do that? Would you make a commitment that you're going to say, I'm going to be here no matter what? Next. I commit to spend more time on a weekly basis reading the Bible and praying. So whatever you're doing now, would you just up your game to read more so you can recognize his voice when he speaks to you? Next, I'll memorize Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Man, awesome two verses. Everybody should have those memorized. They're incredible. Next, I will reach out to people I know that are far from God by inviting them to church or to small group or telling them how Christ is changing my own life. Would you make that commitment? Be great. I'm telling you, that will keep you humble more than anything because it forces you to depend on God and you see firsthand how empty the things the world has to offer. Next, I will put the prayer to become a Christ follower in my wallet or purse so I can use it when sharing with people about Jesus. Would you do that? Just cut that out. Put it in your wallet or purse. Or last, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to give everybody a chance to take these next moments and pray and ask God 
to change your life. So whatever next step you've taken, I want you to pray and ask God to change your life. And if you're ready to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it right now. So all across the room, everybody, bow your head. And I want you to pray silently. Use these moments to talk to God. Father, I want to say thank you for your goodness to each one of us and your faithfulness to us. Thanks for not giving up on us, Lord, when we're going through those places in life where we know it all. Thanks for not giving up on me. And Lord, I ask that you would use each one of us to do incredible things in your name in our lifetime. I'd ask that you would help us to do even more than what you're using us to do right now. And that you would help us each to grow closer to you. So close that by the end, we could get to the place where you would stand near because as we've grown closer, we've grown more humble. And you would help us to reach out to people that are far from you because without you, they will have no happiness or fulfillment in life. So use us, God, as your humble servants to reach out to those that are far from you, to bring them close to you. And in doing so, draw us closer to yourself. And I ask that you bring each one of us back safely next week so we can hear more of what you have to say to us. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.